Exodus 32, beginning at verse 15. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God. That is important. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it's not the sound of victory or the sound of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf, which we're going to talk about in a moment, and the dancing, his anger burned. And he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces, at the foot of the mountain. For three days they waited the people of God at the foot of the mountain. There's a big storm, thunder and lightning and big, dark, ominous cloud. And then from the big cloud descended fire, fire from the sky. And then smoke began to billow from that cloud. And God was in the fire and he summoned Moses to the top of the mountain. And the people waited, and they waited on Moses. Moses was doing business with God at the top of the mountain. And they waited, but they grew anxious. And his absence resulted in a spiritual vacuum for them. And so they responded as their pagan neighbors would have. They, they built an idol. They, they melted their jewelry, their gold, and they threw the gold into the fire, then they, and, and they, they, they threw it in the fire, and they melted it, and then they crafted it into this calf. And when Moses came down from having done business with God, carrying two tablets, by the way, it doesn't mean he had one through five on one and, one, and six through ten on the other. Whenever there was a covenant between two people, there would be two copies. So he brings down these two copies of the Ten Commandments, and when he sees the people singing around this idol. He's disappointed, deeply disappointed. He is so disappointed that he is angry. He is disapangry. He has this unique, deep, awful feeling, so disapangry that he, he just threw those tablets inscribed by the very finger of the Creator. He threw those tablets on the ground and they smashed into pieces. I think there are two things God wants us to learn from this story. One time, or one, first is sometimes you're going to be so disappointed, you're just going to want to slam the tablets. Second thing is sometimes you got to just go get new tablets. The first one, sometimes you're going to want to slam your tablets. Uh, life is not fair. Someone said expecting the world to treat you fairly because you're a nice person is like standing in the arena and expecting the bull not to charge you because you're a vegetarian. It, life is going to be unfair. Sometimes it's relatively minor, the disappointments. You get a B instead of an A on the course, or it's raining on the day that you had planned a cookout or a golf game. But sometimes the disappoint, disappointment is devastating, will rock your world. The disappointment may be a broken marriage. Some dream of having children, but the early pregnancy test never shows a plus sign. 
Some have children that grow, then, then they grow old and they wonder why the children don't call anymore or why the children who once adored them seem too busy for them now. There's the fear of many men in particular, according to Daniel Levinson. He wrote that their fear is that they will never realize their potential or the most terrifying thought of all, that the potential never was really there. A serious boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you. A friend betrays you. You will be disappointed. People will disappoint you. Your friends will disappoint you. Your family will disappoint you. You'll disappoint others too, by the way, but that's another sermon. People you count on will disappoint you. Your supervisee, your supervisor, leaders will disappoint you. Someone said leadership is deciding who will you disappoint. People will disappoint you. That's the first thing. You're going to be so disappointed multiple times, you're going to want to just slam the tablets. But second, uh, sometimes you've got to go back up the mountain and get new tablets. Let's return to the story of Moses. In chapter 32, we saw his disappointment and his impulsive slamming of the tablets to the ground. In chapter 34, the Lord instructs Moses to chisel out two new tablets. Moses go, goes back up the mountain and does business again with God. They spend a lot of time together. It's a lengthy visit. He was there for days and days. Verses 27 and 28 of chapter 34 in Exodus read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words. Do you remember who wrote the first tablets? God did. So, so God says, Now Moses, I'm going to let you write these. Write down these words. For in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And Moses wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Same meaning, same standards. But this time it would be an interesting combination of God's work and the hand of Moses. This second set of tablets always would bear the reminder that this is not the first run at this. These second tablets, every time Moses, every time the people would look at them, they would see the handwriting not of God but of Moses. Every time they would see them, they would see this was plan B. This is our second attempt our second attempt at getting these right. But they worked, by the way, those, that second plan worked over three millennia. The Ten Commandments haven't changed. So they were different, but they, they still worked. Their second run at it was not like the first run, but it still worked. Like so many things in life, our first run at it doesn't work. But we serve a God of grace. And plan B can be wonderful. Those tablets lay shattered at Moses' feet beyond repair. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put those tablets back together again. So God said, I want you to come back to the mountain. I haven't changed my mind, he said about the Moral mandates, the ethical expectations, the spiritual standards, I haven't changed my mind. I still want them memorialized. I still want them on tablets. Uh, I didn't, he could have said, I saved them on my computer. I'll send you an, an email with the attachment. But he, 
He said, come back up the mountain. We're going to have another conversation. And he stayed up there for days and days again. And when he came back down, he came back down with new tablets. Rabbi Harold Kushner was writing about this text, and he said that there's a marriage counselor friend of his who tells this story about the smashed tablets when people's marriages uh, have been smashed. And she says, you can get some substitute tablets, not substitute spouses, but substitute tablets. She talks about how you can, you can rebuild, and, and it might not look the same, but it can be, it can still be beautiful. Lisa Turkhouse is a name that lots of our ladies will, will know probably. She writes primarily for a female audience, but one of the best books I've, I've ever read was published in 2018, and its title is It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. On page 20, she describes her last book, Uninvited. Uninvited is about those who suffer rejection, and so it's these lessons on how you rebound from rejection. She wrote the manuscript of Uninvited about how to deal with rejection. She sent the manuscript off to the publisher. It was off to the presses. Life moved on, she wrote, and then I found out about my husband's affair. It seemed like a cruel twist of irony. She goes on to write a powerful book about disappointment. In 2018, when the book went to press, she said, I'm not sure how this is going to end up, and I don't know the rest of the story. But she talked about Grog, G-R-O-G. I had never heard of Grog. Grog, she said, a, 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 a friend of hers who's a potter, whose mother is a potter, told her about Grog. Grog is the... the uh, What's been crushed, it's, it's the remains of old pottery that's been crushed. So you got this powder from old pottery that is often mixed with, the, with new, fresh, pure clay. And it's that powder from the old smashed pottery that gives substance and form and strength to what otherwise would be a weak piece of art. And she talks about how grog... What we bring from our old experiences, that first run at it that didn't work, if you bring what you learned from that, even though you learned it the hard way, if you bring what you learned from the first run at it to the second run at it, the powder from what was smashed can give form and substance and strength, and so the second run at it can be, can be better. I hesitate to tell you this. But I had a conversation with my cufflinks the other day. Now, they're not just any cufflinks. These are cufflinks that were made uh, um, from that mosaic out there, the cosmic Christ. You know, the tiles that have come down have been made into all kinds of jewelry, into crosses and pendants. And, and I have a pair of cufflinks. I, I was going to wear them today, but I, I haven't found, haven't seen them since I had that conversation. I think Carrie did something with them, but I'm going to find them and bring them back and show you their beautiful cufflinks. But I was having a conversation with these cufflinks when one of the little tiles in that, in that one of those cufflinks told me his story. 
He said, you know, I was once part of a beautiful piece of art. People would come get their picture made in front of me. People would come from out of town and see me. And then one day I fell. One moment he said I was clinging to the wall. The next moment I was, I was falling and then I crashed against this cold cement at the bottom. And he said I was so afraid lying there and I wondered what will my future be? I figured somebody would pick me up and throw me away. He said, I was lying there one day when somebody did pick me up, but they didn't throw me away. She didn't throw me away. She, she cleaned me up. And she took me to class. And there were these, all these nice people gathered. And they put lots of us who had fallen. I didn't know how many had fallen, the cufflink told me. But said there were a bunch of us that had fallen. And they got us all together. And uh, they made me into these wonderful cufflinks. He said, I thought, I thought my story was told. And now I get to be a cufflink. A lost cufflink, but a beautiful cufflink. <laughs> well, I thought if cuff, the cufflinks will talk, then other jewelry will too. You know, we sell uh, in the office here at the receptionist's desk, we... They sell, they sell these cross pendants and like Easter, you know, ornate Easter eggs and Christmas ornaments and all that. And so I, after everybody had left the buildings, some, I thought people won't understand. So I waited till everybody was gone and I talked to that jewelry too. And uh, one of the tiles from that jewelry said, you know, I, I, I'm the same way. I was part of that good piece of art, that wonderful piece of art, and I'm just so happy then I fell. But she said, now, you know what, when they sell us, she said, one of these days somebody's going to come in here and buy me. And when they do, all the every dime goes to support these fresh expressions of church, like the one that John Christie and I were talking about earlier out at UAH among the scientific community. Of the sale of those, that jewelry, every bit of it goes to support the, the, the uh, studio at Low Mill where we have heartfelt expressions and Butler Terrace Dinner Church and, and uh, Bright Star and the recovery community and Manor House on the back uh, deck of Manor uh, Church on the back deck of Manor House and the homeless community. All the money that, that is given uh, to buy that jewelry goes to support fresh expressions. So she said, uh, this piece of tile I'm talking about, said, I've got a new purpose in life. I'm now, I, I, I'm going to get to support all these wonderful things. I thought, well, if they'll talk, then maybe the most murals over at the library will talk. I went over the public library where there hangs that big mural. And, uh, you know, that we made it panoply two years ago. And it's, it's got the skyline of Huntsville with the church prominently in the forefront. So I, I talked to them. And one of those tiles said, you know what? I was part of a beautiful piece of art. And when I fell, I thought I'll never be, a, I'll never be art again. But look at me now. I met all those wonderful people at Panoply. And here I hang in a public place. I'm not the same kind of art I was. But I'm different art, and it's wonderful art. And I love being part of this art. Well, I thought if they'll talk, maybe the mural at the Space and Rocket Center will talk. So I went out there, and I talked to them. And one of them told me a little different story. He said, I didn't fall. I got scraped off when they were scraping those uh, tiles off. And he said, I was mad, too, when they scraped me off. But he said, 
now I get, I'm out here at the Space and Rocket Center. I see astronauts, and I see all these kids come through, and they got us in this prominent place. I learned a lot from my cufflinks and those other tiles that used to be part of Plan A. They thought they'd always be part of the cosmic Christ, but now they're after their fall, after their crisis, after their tragedy. They're now supporting fresh expressions of church. They're now giving pleasure to people at the Space and Rocket Center. They're now part of new pieces of art. They're now around many of your necks, and they will adorn your Christmas tree. They'll get to celebrate Christmas with you and ease through it. Even if the first run at it didn't end, like you wanted it to, even if the first run at it ended in disappointment, you can still go up the mountain and get new tablets. Now, you bring with you that grog, the, the smashed powder, all that powder from those, that first pottery that was useless, and now it adds strength to the new story, this, this new story that you're building. The end of plan A is not the end of the story. It's just the end of plan A. And plan B can be beautiful because we serve a God of grace, of unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love, which offers to us plan Bs and Cs and Ds. Louisa May Tarkenton wrote, I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again. Well, there is. But you got to go back up on the mountain and get new tablets. You can't just sit around and hope for an email. It's going to take some work, and it's going to take some time. But up on the mountain, new tablets are available. Kenny Chesney sings, there goes my life, there goes my future, there goes my everything. It's the story of a teenage boy whose girlfriend told him she was going to have a baby. Well, that, that ruined his plan. He hadn't counted on that. And so he said, there goes my life, there goes my future, there goes my everything. A few years passed, he's standing at the foot of a stairway, little girl, Golden bouncy curls, dragging her teddy bear up the stairs. Mama's waiting in her room to tuck her in. She turns around. She says, I love you, Daddy. Good night. And that same young man says, there goes my life. There goes my future. There goes my everything. If the first run at it ended in disappointment, you get another run, you get new tablets. 633 is the hymn that we're going to sing.